Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us for the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast where we talk to people who matter about things that matter in the world of financial services. My name is Rebecca Tomes and I'm the junior editor at IFA Magazine and joining me on the podcast today is my co-host and IFA Magazine editor, Sue Whitbread. Hi everyone, it's Sue here and in today's IFA Talk podcast, we're getting all presidential. Uh, no, no, it's not Joe Biden. It's instead our guest is Caroline Stewart, uh, who is founder of outsourced power planning firm Sparrow Power Planning. Karen, Caroline is a chartered financial planner. She's also a fellow of the PFS, and I'm pleased to say a longtime friend of IFA magazine. But recently, she's notched up a particularly significant accolade, uh, as you may well know by now. Uh, Caroline has become the first paraplanner to be elected as president of the Personal Finance Society. And that was back at their AGM in September. And Bex and I are really looking forward to our conversation with Caroline today. We'll be discussing with her, not just her plans as president, but but also why she believes that this is such an important time for the whole of the financial planning profession to to really step up and make a difference to to people's lives. So Caroline, well done, congratulations and welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you so much for having me. Our pleasure, it's great to have you on the show. Can we start by getting your thoughts on the big picture stuff? So the cost of living crisis is really hitting people hard. And we were interested to see that the new PFS published poll, which showed that a significant number of Brits are suffering from depression and anxiety as a result of these rising costs. So what do you think this tells us about how people are viewing their personal finances right now? I think it tells us that, you know, people are obviously very concerned. Um, we've got prices going up left, right and centre and people are really struggling to make the money that they have go a bit further. So, you know, it's a really troubling time for everybody um, right across the board Um, and I think financial planning is you know it's crucial but it's never been more important than it is now. Uh, It's it would be lovely wouldn't it to just be able to wave a magic wand uh, as the profession to be able to help people with budgeting and just to to cut through some of the problems that they're facing but I wondered given those results what It'd be interesting to hear what you think the role can be of professional financial planners uh, in the ongoing cost of living crisis. How can they really help? Well, I think, you know, it's plain to say, I think in our society, we have got so many differing levels of financial, financial education. We don't have financial education provided in schools um, on, as part of the syllabus. And, you know, we have people who really struggle to understand, um, you know, exactly what's going on with finances. I mean, obviously, everybody, well, I say everybody, you know, most people have a bank account so that you at least have that you expect a basic level of financial understanding. But unfortunately, um, in our society, I think that it's often seen that financial, financial planning is the preserve of the wealthy. And those who can afford it and you know paradoxically it is the um those who are you know quite often have the least money or the least financial education are those who actually need it the most yeah and i think you know i think financial planners 
have you know I think we have a responsibility to help people all people not just those who can afford financial planning and I know obviously the PFS we have some of the most incredible volunteers who offer thousands and thousands of hours of their time every year trying to make a difference you know to people's lives through pro bono work that we do um obviously we've got the my personal finance skills workshops that are in schools that are reaching students and reaching young people so to give them a you know a better foundation going forward but i think as a profession we should be reaching out to people and explaining you know the things that they can maybe do to help make their money go a little bit further thoughts that they could maybe have um, to help them get through this cost of living crisis, because it's, you know, it, it it's affecting absolutely everybody. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really important, what you said, because it's going to be people who aren't as wealthy, who are really feeling the hit of this cost of living crisis, who are, you know, wondering how they're going to get the food on the table or how they're going to keep warm. So mm. I think that's really important. There's such a lot of jargon in financial services too, isn't there? Yeah, always. TLAs with our three-letter acronyms, we just love them, don't we? <laughs> it just doesn't help either, does it? I think no, quite... no, definitely not. But I think, you know, in my role as a power planner, that's one of the things that I've been particularly, I get very, very cross when I see suitability reports that, you know, people would, ordinary people would struggle to understand. I think we, when we've been doing it for a long time, you know, I've been working in financial services for 20 years and you almost get to a point where you kind of just take it for granted that people will know what you're talking about. And obviously if people haven't been in that environment and if people haven't, you know, had education about pensions and investments and tax and things like that, then, you know, we need to take it not down to, you know, not down to a, a, a basic level in, in so much you know that we're speaking down to people or patronizing people but we what we need to do and i've been told this before and this has helped me tremendously when i'm communicating with clients is that you need to you need to assume intelligence but not knowledge so you know you can speak to somebody who you know has intelligence but doesn't know about the subject matter that you're dealing with so what you need to do is you need to make sure that what you're explaining to them is in plain english is in simple terms you know and so anyone can understand it so my kind of yardstick when i'm writing a suitability report for example would be would my mum understand this and if reading through it i think no she wouldn't then i need to go back to the drawing board and rethink it because my mum super intelligent but she's not you know she's not spent a life studying pensions and investments and things like that so i think it's a really good yardstick with things like that is just take yourself away from it for a moment and then come back and think would a normal human being who hasn't done the exams that i've done or the experience that i have would they understand what i'm talking about mm -hmm. and if they don't then again perhaps you need to go back to the drawing board with what it is that you're trying to communicate no good tips there and then <laughs> you just saying about taking it and cutting through that jargon and just making sure that people are understanding some of the concepts that are involved very true particularly with financial education there's nothing i don't think that's that's more important than that no absolutely and and for our part and i think this is another thing that the consumer duty will help with also is because i think sometimes we may take it on face value that a client understands because if you say to somebody do you understand what i've told you 
nine times out of ten someone's going to go oh yeah 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 mm. you know and they won't necessarily challenge or question so it, it's it's really good I think reframing how we're speaking to clients about their understanding is so when we say something instead of saying do you understand you could be saying something like can you relay back to me what it is that we're doing and how that will benefit you and that way you can actually without being insulting or patronizing you can make sure that what you've explained to the client and what you've recommended to the client absolutely has sunk in they do understand it and they do understand the benefits and the drawbacks of it as well yeah. there are some complicated principles involved in in a lot of these things that will be discussed and absolutely and it's where they aren't fully understood that problems can arise complaints can happen and mm. mismatches there so clarifying that at the start makes such a lot of sense absolutely you are listening to ifa talk ifa magazine's weekly podcast Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. So moving the conversation on a little bit now then. Um, Sue obviously mentioned in the intro that we'd love to hear your plans as the president of the Personal Finance Society. So could you tell us a bit about your priorities for the PFS and the wider profession? Well, um, they're probably the same priorities that all members have, actually, the same concerns that all members have. I've been a member of the Personal Finance Society probably for about 20 years. So, you know, it's concerns that have probably been long held. And for me, I think my priority is to continue all the good work that that our past presidents have done. Um, you know, we've had focuses every year, the president will have a focus and we've had focus covering off the things that we've talked about today, actually covering off raising, you know, financial education, increasing, you know, raising the profile of professional advice and showing that it is accessible to everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we've had um, focuses on you know, empowering future leaders, creating future leaders of our profession, which is, you know, they're all fantastic. Um, focuses to have but we need to make sure that we have the ordinary people in the profession as well as you know the leaders of our profession because otherwise who they're going to lead you know so my focus this year is going to be really to try and engage and attract as many more people as many people as we can to you know to financial planning and financial advice as a profession because we know that the trajectory that we're on we are expecting to see many, many financial planners and advisors retiring over the next few years. So we need to make sure that we've got talented and committed people coming in at the other end as well, but not just young people, all people right across the board, career changes, you know, there's so many different options for people. I speak to people quite quite often and I've had just in the past few weeks alone, I've had somebody from engineering speaking to me about career changing somebody who is you know working in a legal capacity talking about maybe changing to financial planning so it's about getting the message out there that you don't need to have had a degree you you know you just need to be bright committed and willing to learn and you could have a a a fantastic and a you know a prosperous and really rewarding career in financial planning but the key thing is just getting that message out there outside of our own financial bubble really because you know I see articles all the time in all of our trade press saying well what we're going to do about attracting more people and you know this kind of 
almost an echo chamber of, well, I don't know, what are you doing? You know, kind of thing. <laughs> so it's, I think it's all of our responsibility. We need to take ownership of the problem and actually go out and speak to people and say, you know, if anybody asks you, what do you do? You explain what you do and how fantastic it is and how much you enjoy it and how rewarding it is, you know, and, and it's about doing that, you know, so if we're all sat in a room just talking amongst ourselves, you know, we won't attract more people. We need to be a lot more outward facing, I think. And, and, and you know, things like the, the, the Festival of Financial Planning, for example, we've had so many, um, we had uh, career advisors and university personnel and, you know, potential recruits as well and things like that. And mixing with people who are actually doing the job and explaining to them, telling their stories about what a fantastic profession it is. And that's how we get more people in. That's how we get them involved. We need to kind of hook them in with the, you know, look how many people you could help. Look at this fantastic career that you could have. So, you know, I, I think it's so important to do that. I mean, I love financial planning and power planning. It's been a fantastic career for me. I've done, you know, really benefited from a career that I love for so many years. And I just want more people to know about that. You know, I'm, I'm always inspired, I must confess, by people like you, Karen, who are prepared to step up to the plate and volunteer and, and give something back to the profession. You know, this is as well as your day job. This isn't something you're paid to do. You're fitting no. to do it as well as your day job. And fair play to you. I think by spreading the word and really reaching out there, it is starting to make a difference, mm. even compared to maybe 10 years ago. Mm, most definitely. The, the message is getting through, but it does need more and more people to do exactly as, as you've asked. And hopefully the, the Festival of Financial Planning, you must be quite shattered. You've, I know you've been there and you will have been a busy bee. Yes. towards doing that yeah I mean it was brilliant it really was there's just thousands of financial planning professionals professionals all working together for the benefit of the profession and the wider community and society as well it was just oh it was just a phenomenal success it really was oh, I'm glad I'm glad to hear it and we we, <laughs> we we're going to keep on with the challenges uh, aspect now I'm afraid but <laughs> So many challenges I know facing the financial planning profession. Opportunities, Sue, that's what we call Opportunities. <laughs> an opportunity. And I wondered where you're seeing the biggest opportunities at the moment. I mean, goodness me, is it red tape? Is it affordability? Is it financial education? Advice? Where are the biggest opportunities then? The biggest opportunity, I think, it's going back to obviously, well, I think it I think it's there's two things really. And it is, it's going back to we need to build a sustainable profession for the future because we're looking after people who, you know, and their wealth for their future families. And then when their children come through, if there's no financial planners to look after them, um, you know, once their parents have, you know, passed their wealth on and moved on, then, you know, if they don't have the financial education and they don't have the financial planners or professionals there to support them as well, I think, that's a major um, kind of that is a challenge I think for the future but hopefully yeah. like I say that we, we can attract more people and younger people to the yeah. profession mm -hmm. then I think that will kind of take care of itself anyway but it's also it's not just about people um, we need to make sure that the people that we are attracting are as diverse as the, as the public we serve as well because we don't you know I think it's we're all 
well aware that there's been a certain demographic, I think, traditional with financial planning and financial yeah. advice. So not I'm not that's not a criticism because, you know, as a profession, we've evolved and, and that's how it started. But we are evolving and we have a I think we have a more a more diverse population of financial planning professionals now than we maybe did five or 10 years ago. But that's particularly prevalent in power planning, for example, where I think in a recent survey there, there was it was a 40, 60 percent split with 60 percent with female. And I think there was a large majority were actually under the age of 45, as opposed to in financial planning and advice, where the, you know, the majority of, of, of people are actually over 45 or even over 55, actually. So, you know, it, it is it's a really interesting kind of shift in demographic between the power planning profession and, and the financial planning profession. But as we know, many people go through power planning on their way to financial planning. So, you know, it's kind of a good a nursery almost. If you do want to become a financial planner, um, then power planning is a great foundation for you. But equally, it's also a great long term career in its own right. It doesn't have to be something on on the way to something else. Mm. But I think regulation, I think in the in is it, it's always going to be a challenge opportunity but you know <laughs> I think the nature of our profession it's just you know perhaps not a welcome bedfellow but something that we just have to deal with and we just have to be prepared for it because you know if without regulation you know it'd just be the chaos I think back to the wild west again wouldn't it exactly so but I think I think what it has now is obviously it's moved towards I think as a profession, ethically and, you know, aside from the regulation, people just, you know, people just want to do their best for their clients. So, yes, the regulation is there and it's incredibly important, but people are doing the right thing anyway. So, you know, they want to do the best for their clients. They want to do the best. They want to give back to, you know, like the volunteers of the Personal Finance Society. So, so I think there's I think there's lots of different things that will change our profession as we move into the future. But I don't think it's anything to be scared of or anything to worry about, because it will just hopefully just mean that we get better at what we do. And clients, all clients and all consumers are able to, you know, that, that it's accessible to everybody, financial education and financial understanding and financial planning and you know, advice is accessible to everybody. And I think that's what all of these kind of prongs for the future are actually working towards, that it becomes a more accessible service for anyone. Caroline, that's also true. And if, if we could make those changes and get financial education, financial practices embedded with more and more people, I think we'd all be incredibly proud and happy. But it is heading in the right direction, thanks to people like yourself. So. Yeah. Thank you very much for chatting to us today. We know how busy you are at the moment, how exhausted you must be after the festival. <laughs> we, we are sure, though, that your enthusiasm, which is so clear today, and your commitment to the new role will really help to make a difference for the profession uh, as we go forward. So good luck to you. Well done. And we'll be following your progress with interest. And, thank you. Uh, and, and cheering you on from the sidelines. Too. Oh, well, thank you very much. Thank you. It was an absolute <laughs> pleasure to be with you today. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research, and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast. 
and value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up. You may not get back the amount you originally invested.